It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. A one-hour special from Dave and Dujanovic. This is Welcoming All People. That person on the other side of the opinion is, is a real person and, and is, is worthy of our love and respect. We look at how to welcome and talk to people from diverse backgrounds, lifestyles, and of course, political viewpoints. Here's Dave Noriega and Debbie Dujanovic on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome to our special general conference here at KSL News Radio. Today, we're focusing on welcoming others and taking a deeper look into acceptance and understanding of many from different backgrounds, viewpoints, lifestyles, and cultures. And Dave, this conversation is really inspired uh, by an update to the general handbook serving in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Uh, updated entries within the handbook are, are promoting a greater conversation about acceptance. Yeah, and over the next hour, we're going to hear from Catholic Community Services on the efforts they have in welcoming new Afghan refugees as, you know, they've been uh, really banished or, or escaping the dangers of Afghanistan, uh, as well as a psychologist, to take a greater look within ourselves and uh, really for an effort uh, of how we can come together. Our conversation begins with our very own uh, Boyd Matheson. Uh, hi, Boyd. It's always <laughs> good to have these conversations with you uh, because I think you give us some great insight and perspective. We really want to start by discussing the update to the General Handbook on political and civic activity, which, which states that political choices and affiliations should not be the subject of any teachings or advocating in church Settings. Yeah, that's right. And that's not really a, a change by any way, but uh, just a nice clarification and a reminder. I, and I think what they're really saying with this addition to the handbook is, yes, be civically engaged. Yes, be involved in your community discussions. Don't do that in a chapel, in a sacrament meeting, uh, where the focus needs to be on things that are pertaining to faith and that we, we don't allow our political issues to become our religious issues and allow that divide to really happen. So to me, this is really just a reminder that we can talk about anything, but when we talk about it, where we talk about it, and how we talk about it really matters. And I think our political landscape has become so divisive. It's almost like if you have any thoughts, any conversations, immediately it becomes polarizing. And I think uh, as I read this, that is not the time or place in church when we're worshiping or thinking uh, of Jesus Christ. You don't want to bring in those hard feelings. Yeah, that's right. In fact, I had a really fascinating conversation with uh, the American Archbishop to the Greek Orthodox Church, uh, His Eminence Elpidophoros, and he said that very thing of, hey, we can talk about all these things, but we can never allow the politics to impact our religious discussions because the moment we do that, or he also cautioned, uh, don't let political leaders uh, take over 
things that are religious in nature or faith-based principles and discussions for their own political purposes. And so it's really getting back to let's have those conversations when, where, and how matter. As I've discussed many times, I'm a member of the Catholic Church. When I go to church, I want to have that moment of prayer. I want to have that moment with Jesus Christ, with God, uh, listening to the preach, pre, uh, the priest, and uh, absorbing His words. And then when I take communion, Boyd, I feel a sense of, if I may, I feel cleansed, like I'm yeah. starting anew, and I feel really positive um, about the week ahead. If I yeah. attend church on Sunday, and sometimes I go Saturday night. But my point to saying all that is. I don't want the nastiness of the political environment now brought into that what I consider a very sacred, safe space. Yeah, sacred space, I think, is really important. And it's one of the things that we are losing in our country and society as a whole is we have more and more encroachment on the sacred space. And often it is the political, the divisive issues that we're allowing to to seep in there. And so whether it's during a mass, whether it's during a a worship service, Wherever it is, uh, we got to make sure we protect that that sacred space. And actually, that's not a bad reminder for us, even just in our homes, that there are times to just push everything mm-hmm. aside uh, and just step back just a little bit. There's a great line in this that I that I want to focus on, and it says, "All should feel welcome in church settings." Now we're talking about whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, but I think this also branches off into the LGBTQ community. I think it includes refugees. I think it is people that just have different thoughts and upbringings. Uh, how important is it? to have this safe space and have that safe space be a church. Yeah, I I think within the context of that, I think just recognizing that the more labels we place on ourselves and on each other, the less unity we're going to have and the less of that sacred space we're going to enjoy. One of the justices of the Supreme Court, uh, Clarence Thomas, gave a speech at Notre Dame uh, just a little over two weeks ago. And he talked about a time where he was living in the Deep South as a young black man with a a lot of prejudice, a lot of racial profiling, a lot of things that uh, were not kind to him or to his family. And he made an interesting thing. He said, I still loved the country because we had this space. He said, I had a community and a family that taught me I am a child of God. So that's Justice Clarence Thomas saying that at Notre Dame. And he said it was that safe space Outside, he says, I still believed in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the greatness of our country because of the space that was created in his community and in his home that just had allowed him to have that connection to God. KSL News Radio's Boyd Matheson, thank you so much for joining us in this important conversation and launching us into a very critical dialogue. Straight ahead, Utah's going to see about 800 Afghan refugees come to our state. Let's take a look at another entry into the latest general handbook on immigration. Catholic Community Services joins us next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. 
Hear Dave and Debbie talk about the most important stories of the day. They go in depth weekdays from 9 till noon on KSL News Radio. There's a new entry from the latest General Handbook serving in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. It says Latter day Saints' responsibility is to, quote, care for those in need, offer their time, talents, and friendship to welcome refugees as members of their communities, Dave. Yeah, and this isn't just from the church's point of view. The United States has had a long history of taking in refugees. Think back in, you know, uh, after World War II, Congress enacted the first refugee legislation to help resettle 650,000 Europeans in the wake of World War II. And this law helped People resettle uh, from from the communist regimes that they were leaving in Korea, Poland, Cuba. This was an important part of uh, American history is taking in refugees. Uh, and we know uh, that the war in Afghanistan has ended. It has been a month or so since uh, America has pulled our troops out And now we have tens of thousands of Afghan refugees looking to make their way into their new homes throughout the United States. And perhaps hundreds of them will be in Utah uh, before long. Let's bring in uh, Aiden Batar. He's the Director of Migration and Refugee Services with Catholic Community Services of Utah. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. And you you go by Batar. Yes. Batar, how many refugees uh, from Afghanistan do we anticipate Utah will be welcoming with open arms? Um, Utah is expected to resettle hundreds of the Afghan evacuees. Uh, some of them have special immigrant visas. Some of them will be coming with a, you know, a visa called parole status. So um, uh, we expect uh, as soon as uh, sometime in October. So we only had right now one one individual come through Catholic Community Services and uh, families will be expected uh, in the next few weeks. But Tar, what happens once these refugees arrive in Utah? When the families uh, arrive in Utah, Catholic Community Services have to secure housing before they arrive here in Utah, where they can be staying. And we we need to fully furnish the apartment or the house and then uh, provide all the basics that the families are in need to start a new life. Then services will include, you know, case management, uh, employment services, health services, education, uh, and many other uh, services that would help these families, you know, to start a new life here in Utah and become, uh, you know, uh, uh, integrated into our community. Which leads me to this question. How can we be welcoming as individuals, um, as Utahns, and accepting of those who are moving to our state from Afghanistan? Well, as we are getting, you know, refugees from all over the world, including the Afghan refugees, uh, we need to show them that Utah is, uh, you know, one of the best states in the United States when it comes to welcoming uh, the refugees, as we have done in the last of uh, 40 plus years. And uh, so all we need to do is, you know, to contact the Catholic Community Services or International Rescue Committee. And then we will, you know, use any any help we can get from our community by providing housing uh, uh, employers, uh, by uh, allowing refugees uh, to get jobs. And uh, uh, if you can donate monetarily also to to donate and uh, because uh, 
uh, we cannot do this job alone. We need all the support that we can get from our community uh, because these individuals from Afghanistan, they put their life on the line by working side by side with our U.S. forces in Afghanistan. And I think we need to show them they're welcome into our community and also provide them all the support that they need uh, to be successfully uh, integrated into our community. Batar, I would imagine that the culture shock is significant, uh, leaving your home country, living in a completely different place. How do you handle that and kind of minimizing that culture shock? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, our offices, we will provide cultural orientation, what we call it, you know, by teaching the newly arrived refugees, uh, the you know, what it will be to live here in America and the expectation, the rights and responsibilities and so forth. And then we would match every family, uh, a volunteer, you know, who would mentor them, teach them about things that they need to know here in the U.S., like all the life skills. And then volunteers will become friends with the families, the refugee families, that would make their life easier. Many of them might not have any relative or family members here. So the volunteers will become their friends who they can call when they need something or or when they don't know something like how to use the public transportation, how to go to grocery shopping, you know, and so forth. But the most important is, you know, even if you're a neighbor with a refugee, go visit them and say, hi, welcome to our community. All those things would help the refugees, you know, uh, you know minimize the culture shock and Uh, when they come to a community where they don't know anyone. We're talking about welcoming and accepting refugees from Afghanistan with Aiden Batar. He's the Director of Migration and Refugee Services of Catholic Community Services in Utah. Uh, Batar, uh, I do get concerned that that housing uh, will become complicated for uh, these refugees because of the cost of rent, because of the cost of homes uh, along the Wasatch Front and beyond. Um, how, if we if we own homes, if if if, if landlords are listening and they have an apartment, um, do they just if they have the ability to donate? Could, do you accept that as a donation? Housing is our biggest need uh, for the incoming uh, newly arrived refugees here in Utah, because as we know. The housing, uh, you know, cost is, is rising, and it is hard to find affordable housing. So, if there is anyone who has uh, an apartment or or a house, uh, please contact us. We need that. Like this week alone, Catholic Community Services is uh, is resettling 18 refugees coming from Congo, and uh, uh, we are we are still looking for affordable housing for them. So, please contact us if you are landlord listening or if you have an, an apartment, uh, because we've been getting a lot of uh, our community members calling and, uh, you know, wanting to, to help, uh, you know, opening their doors to their homes and, uh, as a, you know, temporary housing. But we need more landlords to contact us so we can rent the apartment for them. Or if they can donate also, we would accept the donations as well. Batar, what are some good guidelines? Uh, like, how large do these apartments need to be? How much do they need to cost? If people are trying to figure out uh, whether or not they can uh, open these up to refugees, what are some good guidelines? I know that uh, refugees, when they're arriving here in Utah, you know, they, they're not working. So they will be getting a job as soon as they come to Utah. And uh, the resources that we're getting, uh, the government resources are not that much. So 
We have very limited resources, but we would work with the landlords to make sure that, you know, they get their rent, uh, you know, because these individuals, when they arrive, we will be getting them a job. We want them to be self-sufficient so they can pay their bills. But the initial, the first few months uh, is very crucial. And right now, you know, when we go out in the community and looking for affordable housing, it is very difficult. And many of the landlords are not willing even to rent someone who they don't know. So, but they know us, Catholic Community Services. We will be happy to work with any landlord. And so we get families that are family of eight, family of 10, family of six. So we're looking one bedroom, two bedroom, all the way to five bedroom. It is house or an apartment. If you have it, let us know and you can contact us and, and we will work with you. And, you know, but we need landlords who are willing to, to be flexible willing to be, you know, to rent their units to, to uh, newly arrived refugees. Aiden Batar uh, with Catholic Community Services of Utah. Thank you so much for uh, giving us all a, a lesson and a look into how we can become and be more welcoming to Afghan refugees as they make their way out of Afghanistan into the homes of Utahns. And Debbie, what really stood out to me, he said, uh, some of these families are fairly large families that have six, eight or 10 people. So they're looking for uh, all all shapes and sizes of apartments since housing is the biggest problem. Uh, So I think reaching out to Catholic Community Services, telling them what you have to offer would be a huge step forward. Dave, next, I want to have a heart to heart conversation with you about something that is very important to both of us. You had a woman come to you who's gay. What did she say to you? Where do I fit? Where do I fit in the church? Where's my place? A one-hour special from Dave and Dujanovic. This is Welcoming All People. That person on the other side of the opinion is, is a real person and, and is, is worthy of our love and respect. We look at how to welcome and talk to people from diverse backgrounds, lifestyles, and of course, political viewpoints. Here's Dave Noriega and Debbie Dujanovic on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to this conference special, Welcoming Others. It's a message uh, that's brought forward by the church handbook. And, and Dave and I want to take a deeper look at accepting others' points of views, others' lifestyles, and others' culture. Dave? I had a great conversation the other day, uh, and th- someone asked me this question, and it really got me thinking. It was a member of the LGBTQ community, and mm-hmm. she grew up as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, okay. uh, realized she was gay around 16 years old, um, and she's wondered, where's my place in the church? Mm. Did you have any words of advice? No. I, I looked at her. You felt lost. Deer in the headlights. I'm like, that's a great question. You tell me. I think a lot of people have that same question of their their own church this is certainly not unique to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. As a Catholic and somebody who knows several people who are very close to me, um, who have come out as gay and are seeking relationships uh, with those who are of their same sex, they struggle with that too. I really want to take this conversation in this direction, Dave, you didn't know what to say in that moment. 
Let's have that conversation about the things that you and I can do as members of our churches to make sure that they do feel welcome, that as parishioners, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we know how to welcome them. One of the things that pops into my brain, and I think this is some of the the fight we have with our own selves. When we're talking about going to church or living up to standards, we do think that perfection is the only Bingo. possible destination. Bingo. Well, and everybody, it doesn't matter where you are at in your journey in life. Every single person deserves the love and respect of others. Right? Everyone deserves that. And sometimes, you know, when we look at our own selves or even if we're looking at others, we think, oh, well, they're not doing this, 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 and this. Well, if I look in the mirror, guess what? I'm not doing this, 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 and this. One of the things that I taught my kids as they were growing up, um, let's just call it the doctrine of Deb. But it's, it's, it's certainly not just my idea, but, and you've probably taught your kids the same thing. We accept everybody. We love everybody. What matters is that we welcome them, we hear them, and we love them, and we express that love to them, and we let them know that they have a place in our home, um, that that they are having any concerns or they feel as though uh, the world is against them, or um, maybe they're having a tough time in some other areas with their own friends, that we welcome them into our, our own home to sit at our own kitchen table um, and to explore their concerns with us as a family. I think we see this lie a lot in our lives, whether it's politics or sports mm. or, or something much more serious, like sexual orientation or race. We think that, well, if you don't think like me, then we can't be friends. Or if you don't think like me, then I hate you. And that's the toxicity that creeps in. When... You can have different, and you do, you have different religious beliefs than I do. And that's fine. We still love each other. We are still great friends. And it's not our differences that define us. It's the things that we do share in common, which are numerous. And I think it's our love that defines us and our acceptance of others and listening to others. Let's say you go back to uh, the, the woman who confided in you that, that she doesn't necessarily feel like she has a place or was questioning her place. Is there anything from this conversation that you take away and and now go have a conversation with her? Absolutely. Such as? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that because as I've been thinking over the last several minutes, I think what popped into my head is what's your relationship with Christ? Ah. If you feel like you're missing something, don't worry about how you're fitting into the life of this this ward. Worry about what's your relationship with God. And I think when you look at it from that point of view, everybody's journey is individual. Everyone's in a different spot. Everyone has a different path and different beliefs. And I think I can't necessarily help that much other than show love and respect and hey it's great to see you which is, which is actually that's a lot of help that in and of itself you said that i can't help that much right there is that's profound 
for for somebody to hear that that you, they are loved. I do really appreciate what you said, and that is returning to her and saying this: What is your relationship with the Lord? Because everybody's journey is different, and you don't need me as a cheerleader. You don't need me to pat you on the back. Uh, I think a lot of this is a very personal relationship. Religion is. What has your experience been? This conversation has been very helpful to me. Thank you. Straight ahead, to end our special, we'll take a broader look at how we can look within ourselves to accept others. BYU psychologist Tom Golightly is next. Hear Dave and Debbie talk about the most important stories of the day. They go in depth weekdays from 9 till noon on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to our conversation about accepting others. And Dave, I think another way to look at this is welcoming others into our lives. People of, of different backgrounds, of different political ideologies, faiths, cultures, sexual orientation. We've talked about a lot of that. And if you boil down human needs, when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, boy, there it is, belongingness and love needs. It comes before, it comes above safety and security and even food and water. We need to belong. Yeah. And uh, does it say anything about sports there? <laughs> I, I don't see a sports in there. No, I, I think uh, a lot of times when we... Um, when we choose friends, we choose people that think like us, that have the same interests as us. Uh, it's not very often that we seek out people that think differently or have different interests. But I think it's an important conversation to have because I think that adds some richness to our lives. Tom Golightly is the Assistant Director of Athletics for BYU Counseling and Psychological Services. Hi, Dr. Tom. How do you two? How are you doing today? Well, I'm realizing that whenever I step into studio and I talk to both of you, that I feel like I do belong in, in the conversation and that belonging is actually very critical. I mean, so often, even growing up, you hear things like, you can do this on your own. Oh, it doesn't matter what others think. But the truth is, when I look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, there is a need to belong. And, you know, as I look at that even further, there is a need for me to accept others so they feel like they belong. I think one of the tricks of adulthood, as we're just starting out on our journey, when we think back to ending high school, kind of transitioning into the next phase, whether that's college or trade or, or entering the world of work, we're really trying to figure out not just how to be independent, because you're right, there is a, a part of life that we need to engage on our own. But we're trying to develop that need for interdependence. How is it that we incorporate needing others in our lives and connecting with others? And not everyone does that the same. And and having uh, the skills in your toolbox to be able to pull out and connect with others, listen, and uh, embrace where they're coming from is something that we have to be maybe a little bit more deliberate. It's not as intuitive as we'd like it to be sometimes. And so uh, it is important to connect with others, and it is a fundamental need. But how we get that need met is maybe something that we need to put a little bit more thought into. 
I think sometimes when we uh, choose our friends or even when we have family members, a lot of us think the same. We enjoy the same things. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of branching outside of our comfort zone and bringing in people that maybe think differently or cheer for the youths? <laughs> well, that's the the second one. It might be impossible for me, but uh, you know, the first one, uh, you know, I think sports really is a good little microcosm for that. We we tend to bring people in from a lot of different places and put them in the same locker room, and as we do that, there there can be some some challenges in helping get them on the same page. We often find ourselves around people that that think like us and behave like us. But in our world of work and in other places where we don't have the ability to always choose who we're around, it's important to be aware of our biases and assumptions about experiences of other people that can get in the way of us just interacting normally as we would with the people that we're comfortable with. We don't like to challenge our assumptions. We like to be right. We we own uh, different things. Uh, but can we uh, challenge those and be aware of our blind spots and how our biases are are maybe impacting our, abil- our ability to see and connect with people. Dr. Tom Golightly is with BYU Counseling. He's a, he's a psychologist. Uh, we're speaking to him now about welcoming and accepting others into our lives. So, Dr. Tom, give us a few key phrases, maybe phrases that I can use that trigger my thought process to accept others when they're speaking to me about from their point of view. It also sends a message to that person that, yeah, I am listening and I'm willing to hear what you're saying. I think one of the big things, I don't know if it's a cue phrase, but it's an attitude, which is make observations without judgments that are right, are correct, is not going to be everyone else's correct or their right. And there are multiple ways to be, say, patriotic, to be religious. Uh, when we just brought up sports, there's a way to be a sports fan. There's some good helps from that. I know I grew up uh, in the Midwest and South, and uh, when you were a, a fan of an opposing team, they welcome you into the stadium, and they don't berate you or or make fun of you for it. They want you to cheer for your person. They'll invite you to the tailgate. They'll feed you and share everything they got with you. And they disagree with you vehemently about the outcome of that game or or what what the preferred outcome would be. But yet they're still willing to invite you in as a person. And I think that's that epitome of uh, making that observation without judgment. So maybe something we can't say is, you know, I like you. And this is an issue that maybe we can't discuss right this second, but someday we'll get there and we'll listen to each other and we'll walk away still being friends. But let's just grill this chicken right now. Let's not talk about that maybe today. But being able to arm yourself with a few phrases that say, hey, no, I want you in my life and we're probably not going to see eye to eye on this. That's okay. And, And as long as both are committed to being there and in that relationship, it should work out just fine. How and maybe why do some of those differences strengthen relationships instead of fragment them? Trust is really built when you are able to challenge each other in a safe place. I know as a clinician, we create groups and group therapy, and that's one of the things that we're trying to promote the most in group is, hey, do you trust each other enough to have hard conversations? And if you look at the people you're closest with, it's the people that you can challenge the most and uh, and trust that you're going to come back to the table and be just fine. It's not just, hey, you've got something in your teeth, right? 
but just the hard conversations of, hey, when you're talking about this, do you know you sound this way, right? And it makes me feel a certain way. Uh, and uh, can can we talk about big things that we disagree with, uh, you know, political opinion, uh, and still come back and be friends? I think um, one of I, I point to politics a little bit with uh, Orrin Hatch and 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 Ted Kennedy, uh, great friends, political opposites in almost every way, but great friends. And and can we match that tenor? And being able to know that that person on the other side of the opinion is is a real person and and is is worthy of our love and respect. And likewise, we feel that from them. Worthy of our love and respect. I love that. Dr. Tom Golightly, thank you so much for joining us, uh, a psychologist down in BYU. Uh, We always love having that conversation, Debbie. And I I really think that's so important. When we start looking at people that are uh, different than us, that think differently, that cheer differently, or whatever it might be, bringing that person into our life, I think it does it. It builds a trust. It builds empathy. It's outside of our comfort zone, but I think it's so crucial. And building that safe space where people feel safe to express their opinions, but then at the same time being able to say something like, hey, you know what? You sound like this when you say that. I think that's such an incredible takeaway from this conversation. Dr. Tom, thank you so much for your insights. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.